You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Well, good morning. That was, uh, that was somewhat energetic, but uh, it, it was lacking. Good morning, everybody. I love that. That's so much better. We're in a series called Sent, and we've been talking about how in the early church, they would actually lay their hands on people and send them off to share the gospel with other people. So last week, we were in Acts 13, and there was a church in Antioch, and they put their hands on two men, Saul, who would later be called Paul, and his preaching, traveling companion, Barnabas, and they put their hands on them and they send them off. With no idea in the world, no idea in the world what God was going to do through these two guys. Just no idea of how the gospel would just be catapulted all over the world through the ministry of these two guys. You understand though, I think, don't you understand, that the idea of sending someone for the sake of the souls of others did not start with the church of Antioch, right? You got that? You know where it started? It started with the Father Himself. Because the Word of God says that He sent His Son. Because God loved the world so much, He sends His own Son, Jesus, for the redemption of men. And, and so Jesus understood that, and He was really upfront about it. In fact, one time He says, You understand that I have not come on my own. This wasn't my idea. This wasn't my doing. I did not come on my own, but the Father sent me. And so then he says one day to his followers, just like the Father sent me, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send you. And so we go for one reason, and that is that people so desperately need Jesus and need to know that he loves them and he cares about them and he can forgive them of sin and give them purpose and direction and change their hearts and change their lives. I love this message. So here's what I want to talk to you about today. Sometimes, sometimes in our lives, God Himself lets us see, opens our eyes, pulls back the scales, gives us a vision for people who desperately need Jesus. So let me, let me share with you how he did it for this guy whose name is Paul, okay? So you want to grab a Bible with me or a phone and go to Acts chapter 16, okay? Acts chapter 16. So when the church at Antioch sends Paul and Barnabas off, Paul gets a taste and he just can't stop. So in his life, he takes up this new, new life, this new vocation. He becomes a missionary. And he goes on not one missionary journey... Not two missionary journeys, but three missionary journeys. In Acts chapter 16, where we are today, we catch him on his second missionary journey, okay? And so this journey lasts him about three years. He just goes from place to place to place to place to place, talking to people about Jesus, sharing the gospel. So Barnabas is no longer with Saul. He has a new traveling preaching companion whose name is Silas. They picked up a young boy that Saul is kind of, rather that Paul is kind of mentored in the faith like his his son in Christ, his name is Timothy. We know that Luke is with them, and we don't know the names of all the others, but there are other people traveling with him. And so in chapter 16, verse 6, here's what it says. Paul and his companions, meaning Silas and Timothy and Luke and others, traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit 
from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So why would he do that? Go, Paul. Okay, we're going. You got your your guys together? Yeah, we're all together. Okay, take off. We're taking off. How about, Lord, could we go to Asia Minor? There's a city there called Ephesus. I think it would be a real hot spot for us. And the Holy Spirit says, No, you can't go to Ephesus. Why couldn't they go to Ephesus? Nobody really knows. Except simply to say it just wasn't time. Because later, God lets them go to Ephesus. And when they came to the border of Messiah, verse 7, they tried to enter Bithynia. But what happens? The Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Okay, well since we couldn't go to Asia Minor, uh, could we go to Bithynia? No. You can't go to Bithynia. Just, just keep marching. And so the Bible says, So they passed by Messiah and went down to Troas. And so night falls. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia. Standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once, Luke says, to leave from Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel there. And so we tried to go to Asia Minor and we tried to go to Bithynia. We get to Troas. We don't know where we're supposed to go. And Paul has a vision. And it's a vision of this guy standing and begging, please come and help us. And so Luke says, we got ready at once to leave from Macedonia, believing that God called us to go preach the gospel there. Because we saw in Macedonia that there were people who needed Jesus. I was standing on a really busy street in Chicago, Michigan Avenue. And if you like to go to Chicago, if you like to shop, it's Michigan Avenue, right? Magnificent mile. And it was a Thursday afternoon, and it was, you know, 4 or 5 o'clock. And people were leaving work, and I mean, there were more people than I could imagine going in every direction, of every color, and I could hear so many languages being spoken around me. And all of a sudden, I just had this sense, man, there's a lot of people in this world. And as I stood there kind of looking at that mass of people just hanging out because my wife and girls were all shopping, it kind of rushes over me, this sense, man, a lot of people need Jesus. And then there was like this question, and I felt like the Holy Spirit in the midst of all of that going on around me was saying, Rick, what are you going to do to share Jesus with people? Surely you're not content with the progress you're making now, are you? I remember I got this phone call from these people who attended our church and they said, we attend your church and we were wondering if you would go to the hospital to see a family. They don't go to your church. In fact, they don't go to anybody's church. They've never been to church much. But they've gotten some devastating news. And they really need a pastor. Would you go see them? And I went to see them and I talked to them and I prayed for them and they were kind to me. And I remember walking out of that hospital room thinking to myself, man, there are people in this world who really need Jesus in their lives, you know? 
Sometimes it's just when I watch the news and I see everything that's happening in my world and all the pain and the suffering and people who are victimizing other people and I just think to myself, man, people need Jesus really bad. And I remember in a little sugarcane camp in Swaziland, the poorest people I've ever seen in my life were in that little camp. The kids who ran up to our combi when we got out of, the, out of that vehicle, some of them had on shirts and some of them had on shorts or skirts, but not one kid had on both. All the pictures you see of the poverty in Africa, that was the picture I saw that day. And we walked through that little camp over to a little hut. You wouldn't call it a house. And laying outside on a little mat is a teenage girl fighting fighting the battle for her life against AIDS. And I remember feeling physically sick. I thought I was going to vomit. My stomach just got so upset. I'd never witnessed this in my life. And I remember thinking how desperate the world that I live in is for Jesus. I wonder, I wonder if, if some of you are looking at me and what you're thinking to yourself is, you know what I need in my life, Rick? I need what God gave Paul. I need a vision for people who need Jesus. Because I don't have that. I need to feel physically ill at some point in my life over people who need Jesus. I need to hurt for lost people. And so in the book of Acts, it was always the same plan. What do you do? You start where you are. I mean, Jesus made it really clear. So... You're going to make disciples in Jerusalem. This is where you are. This is your city. Well, where do we go from there? Well, then go throughout Judea. Well, where from there? Well, then go throughout Samaria. And then from where? Well, then to the ends of the earth. They had no idea that they would go up through Phoenicia and up to Antioch and that would become a launching pad for spreading the gospel to the Gentile world. But that's what happened. They just started where they were. And so when we're talking about vision, look at where you are. Do you have a vision for your city? When you look at your city, what do you see? You see people who need Jesus. So the Chamber of Commerce puts together a video. And, and they do it kind of like throwing bait out, saying, this is a great city to live in. Because... Of urbanization, people are moving to the cities. Seven out of ten by 2050 will live in the cities. And so Oklahoma City is saying, well, we need to get our fair share of them. And so, I don't know if you thought a lot about the city you live in lately, but let me show you this video. I think it will kind of open your eyes to what's going on in Oklahoma City. Sunday morning, it's been building and building. We're glad it's worked out the way it has. America Report, we found one city that's...
It's a powerful thing. When the New York Times says your city has arrived, you can believe your eyes. The scope of change here in just the past few years has been breathtaking. A strong, steady progression that adds up to a transformation. It radiates from a remarkable downtown renaissance, unleashing wave after wave of vibrant urban reinvention. This is 21st Century Oklahoma City, where an ever-ready economy is matched with a way of life that's a magnet. You feel its pull as soon as you do the math. Whether you're running a business or your own household, compare a low cost of living with a wealth of good-paying jobs, and the difference is what we pocket to save and spend on extras that are unaffordable elsewhere, which makes for healthy businesses and very contented citizens. Your tour of Oklahoma City starts downtown with a superstar of a skyscraper. The new 50-story Devon Energy Tower and the reimagined Myriad Gardens. There's the roar of NBA basketball at the Chesapeake Energy Arena, where the Oklahoma City Thunder's fairy tale of a rise has put OKC top of mind worldwide. Add the sleek Oklahoma Riverfront, a new U.S. Olympic training center for rowing, canoe, and kayak, and a wondrous new waterfront that welcomes everyone. The urban core is booming with corporate headquarters, hotels, and restaurants urban parks and encounters with the arts, including the spectacular Oklahoma City Museum of Art and Civic Center Music Hall. Live music and entertainment beckon from Bricktown to Western Avenue and beyond. Thousands are living downtown and in vibrant urban neighborhoods. A world-class campus for elite biomedical research and the state capitol complex are all adjacent to a network of interstates that assure an easy commute, coming or going. Whether it's a condo downtown, historic district charm, a leafy university town, or a rambling acreage, the wide variety of lifestyles is a major driver of the growth in every corner of greater OKC. It's pretty sweet. So what'd you see? Man, I saw a city on the move. Is that what you saw? Did, did anybody see a city that needs Jesus? Let me, let me talk about that, okay? So, so Paul and his companions are, are wanting to take the gospel, obviously, right? And so they're saying, here we go. And so they leave actually down from Judea, and then they travel up to Antioch, and they're headed out from there. And they're traveling along and saying, where would the Holy Spirit have us go? And, and so maybe we'll go to... Asia, the province of Asia, not to be confused with the continent of Asia. And maybe we can spread the gospel there and the Spirit will not let them go. Well, that's okay because Bithynia is to our right. Maybe instead of going left, maybe we just go to the right and go northeast. And we go to Bithynia and share the gospel and the Spirit of Jesus would not let them go. And so they go to Troas. And they're still waiting for the Holy Spirit to say, this is where I want you to go. And so one night in a vision, Paul sees a man in Macedonia, across the Aegean Sea. This is not close by. Come over and help us. And Luke says, we left at once because we knew that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. 
And, and what we learn in all of this is the Holy Spirit is at work in your life and the Holy Spirit is at work in my life and the Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us. And the Holy Spirit is speaking and the Holy Spirit is calling and the Holy Spirit is sending people all the time. It wasn't one instance in the book of Acts. It happens over and over and over again. And it's still happening today. Sometimes I just wish God would make it really clear, don't you? I was going to see my friend Chris Holcomb yesterday. He had knee surgery and he's been laid up for a week or so. And I was driving to his house and I called him up on my phone and I said, Hey Chris, uh, do I turn right up here on this road? He says, Yes. And then left on this road and then right, right and right and you'll dead end in my cul-de-sac. Do you ever wish you could just call God up and say, Hey, just wanted to make sure I'm going the right direction here, buddy. Do I take a left up here or do I take a right? Sometimes, sometimes God calls us and gives us very clear direction by letting us see people who need Jesus. Sometimes that's how He speaks to us. And so we left at once because we knew God called us to preach the gospel there. Do, do, you, think, do you think that God in all of His wisdom, in all of His wisdom, one day kind of scratched His head and said, Okay, i got all these people in Macedonia. What are the chances that the people in Macedonia are going to say, Maybe there's some Christians over in Antioch. So if we travel across the Asian Sea on a voyage, and then we go through Asia Minor, maybe we can find ourselves over here um, in Syria, and maybe somebody will talk to us about Jesus there. God says that's probably not going to happen. And then God gets this bright idea, because He's full of bright ideas, and He says, what if? What if we send some Christians to Macedonia? What if we go to where the people are? If the people aren't coming to us, what if we tried this novel new idea and what if we begin to go to where the people are? And we started talking to them about Jesus in their own communities and in their own neighborhoods and in their own lives. Pretty awesome, huh? And so that's what God does. He speaks, He calls, He sends Paul and his little traveling group of companions to Macedonia. You know, that's what God did. He sent His Son Jesus into our world and into our lives. What if we were incarnational about our approach to ministry? Do you know how Eugene Peterson translates John 1.14? We, we think about it like this. And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Do you know how Peterson translates it? The Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. I like that, don't you? And so what if we just moved into the neighborhood? And begin to talk to people about Christ. Thaddeus and Chris are going to join me for a few minutes here. And I wanted you to hear from them this morning about the vision that God has given them. And how God has shown them who lives in communities in this city. And how God has said, now I'm calling you. And I'm sending you to those communities where those people are. So Chris, you have a call on your heart to go to Midtown and... And share the gospel with people. Who, who lives in Midtown? Uh, people that we hope to meet soon. Uh, it, it was an interesting thing. The call 
came to me um, over time, but it also came to me in a couple of moments and a couple of instances. I remember sitting with a friend at coffee, and we were talking about and praying for our role and the future of the church. And uh, he made mention of the fact that if he was younger, then he would be planting a church in Midtown. And something just is like lightning that went through me. Scared me a lot, actually. Uh, So I didn't know a whole lot about our city, to be quite honest. And so I started doing some research and I started reading and I started thinking and I started praying about it and I talked to Holly about it and together we started doing that, that, uh, those kinds of things together. And um, I went and I talked with another friend of mine that I thought knew a lot about the city and uh, I went and talked to him, said maybe it is that the Lord is calling us to plant a church. Mm And when he asked me where uh, we were being called to plant, uh, we said, perhaps in the midtown, downtown, uptown area. He was leaning back in his chair and he threw himself forward and slammed his hand on his desk and said, I have been praying. My wife and I have been praying and driving up and down these streets, begging God that he would bring a pastor to these people and he would bring a church to these people. Um, one of my heroes is uh, a guy by the name of Phineas F. Brzee. Funny name, you know, but he started our denomination. He is our father, forefather in this denomination. And uh, he was referred to as a man of the morning because when he started the denomination at 58 years old, he said, uh, the Church of the Nazarene is a church of the morning and the sun never goes down in the morning. There are a lot of people, I think together we've counted, right around maybe 45 or so faith communities that are down in that area. If you would stand on 12th and Hudson within a five-mile radius, about 40 or 50 faith communities. And right now there are, well, the 2012 daytime population was 350,000 people. Hmm. And uh, as such, there's not enough churches. Right. And there are a lot of people where the sun is going down in their lives. And we just so happen to be a part of a tradition that has a future because the Church of the Nazarene is a church where the sun never goes down, which means that we have a future and we get to take a future of hope to a group of people that have none. While there is innovation and restoration and collaboration, we think that these are the activities of the kingdom and that perhaps God is already there and that he might be calling us to participate in those things as an embodied people. In other words, uh, we are the presence, the hands and feet, the identity of Jesus, real life, uh, graced by his presence among a people that have uh, zero future and zero hope. Of all the things I know about Chris Pollock, I can tell you this, that he knows in his heart that God has called him to do this. And if it sounds like a kind of a cool thing to do, a neat thing to do, I think there are elements of that. But this is a a step of faith. Um, Scary, to be honest with you, Um, for all of us a bit. But he is saying, if this is where God wants me to go, then this is where I'm going to go. Thaddeus talked last week, I talked to you rather about Thaddeus... Um, coming up kind of hard, you know, and, and uh, ended up making some poor choices and spent some time in prison, about 11 years. His mother continued to pray for him. He got saved there. Thaddeus came out of that place walking with Jesus and has been with us. And we kind of celebrated that story last week. But God has brought Thaddeus to Two Lakes, a community just north of the church. 
And uh, in both of these places, our desire is to plant, you know, a, a congregation, a church. May look different from our church. It's it's um, its approach to ministry may be different than this church. But we're going to reach people with the gospel there. Thaddeus, is there anybody, well, anybody in Two Lakes who needs to hear about Jesus? <laughs> they all need to hear about Jesus. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, this is this is uh, such a blessing, and uh, I would like to say that. You know, that area in Two Lakes has been really, really a blessing. It's a, uh, it went from, you know, from some of the uh, individuals there that I've met to, hey, we're not bad here. We're just, we're just, we're not bad. And so, you know, through Bible study and months of Bible study, we went to a group that says, hey, can we have church here? And so that's what we've done now. We are having church at Two Lakes. And lives is being touched. Uh, souls is being saved. You know, uh, the vision for Two Lakes has been an image of a hand. And this is not a hand for a handout. This is a hand for a hand up. It's just a community that needs hope. And without hope, there is no future. But when there is a future, you have an expectation to the end and this is what we've been trying to sell them is hope and so I would like to say that these past few weeks has been really really great uh, we had a, a young man to give his life to the Lord the next Sunday we have a young man to give his whole family to the Lord hmm. and this is what the gospel's doing and this is what I share with two lakes here if you be faithful to the gospel the gospel's going to be faithful to you. This is what we sell there. We're influencing that gospel hope. And it's all about the blood of Jesus Christ. It's an interchange. It's an interchange of heart. And so this is, uh, this is what we bring in there. We, uh, we bring in the blessing to the children, for the children are their future there. We're giving them a new view of that community with the children there as well. Because the children is our future. And we want to give these children a, a blessed place of refuge, a blessed place of hope. Amen. So Thaddeus tells me every Sunday morning when they gather for worship, uh, they get all the kids to come up front. And they gather around them and they put their hands on their shoulders and they pray over them. Yes, yes. And then when the service is over, the kids come back in to the room and they share what they've learned hey, that morning in their Sunday school time. Uh, God's doing great things hey, uh, through the ministry. He's there. awesome, Pastor. He's awesome. So we know that some of you are saying, I would like to know more about Two Lakes. And maybe God would want to use me. We have a pantry there and we need lots of people to work in the pantry. And it may be that God would even say... I want your family to go and be a part of that church on Sunday mornings and to worship there. And uh, we're going to have a conversation today at 3 o'clock at Two Lakes. There's information in your worship folder about how to find the church. And um, so if you would like to join us at 3 o'clock, you may say, you know, I just want to come and hear more. I'm intrigued by what's going on. I want to hear more. I don't know what God's asking me to do, but I'm certainly willing to ask God, do I turn right or do I turn left? Do I go straight? And also, tonight at 7 o'clock, uh, in the chapel in the round, Chris, Mikkel, and others will be talking about the Midtown experience. So you may be saying, hey, that downtown thing, thing, it kind of excites me. I want to know more about it. 
I just want to know more about what's going to be happening, what their vision is, what God's doing. And so come tonight at 7 o'clock and just participate in that, in that session, okay? One other person, Brett, come up and I'll let you sit right where I am real quick. But um, you, you work um, here in the Putnam City School District and you serve presently as a, uh, your job is a... I'm an assistant principal at Putnam City High School. Yeah. So you don't feel at this point that God is calling you to quit your job and to go plant a church somewhere? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Definitely not. So when these guys talk about their vision for ministry, you really can't relate to that. Actually, I can. Oh, you can. I, I so can. You, you're a guy who comes and you, you're, you're, you sit in the seats every Sunday morning, you volunteer, you're always doing things here. But you're saying, yeah, I, I don't have a full-time call to ministry, but God has given me a vision for what he wants me to do with my life. Can you talk to us about that? Absolutely. Um, I've been in education for about 10 years, um, and just as I got in there and I was a teacher, um, I, I began to see that there are a lot of students in my class that don't have fathers, um, don't have a positive father figure in their lives. And so um, God kind of just you know, put this vision within me that I need to be that positive male influence in the lives of my students. Um, and so that's, that's, so that's what I tried to do. Um, and then as time went on and I became an assistant principal, I realized that there is, um, there was a lot more than a lot more that I could do on my own just with being one, you know, role model helping students. And so I tried to also do it on the back end as well. And I try to encourage men, um, to be the husbands and fathers uh, that they've been created to be. Um, I've done that a few different ways through doing a Wednesday night class here at BFC, um, through a men's retreat, and, you know, I created a blog, and just a few different things to try to use the gifts and talents and abilities that God has given me so that um, I can advance his kingdom and make a difference um, in the lives of others. Awesome, awesome. I think, I think what I'm trying to say to you this morning is that, is that God sends us all. So you may not feel a calling to be in vocational ministry. doesn't mean God doesn't have somewhere for you to serve. In fact, God does have somewhere for you to serve. God is calling you. God is sending you. All of us. He needs all of us. He uses all of us. I'm going to let these guys go down, but would you thank them for their time as they do real quick? Let me take you back to Acts 16. So what happens when they are obedient? Because that's the due part of the sermon, okay? So immediately we left for once because we believe God had called us to go there. And so Thaddeus says, I've got to go to Two Lakes because I believe God has called me there. And Chris says, I've got to go to Midtown because I believe God has called me there. And Brett says, I've got to go reach out to men because I believe that's where God has called me. Where's God calling you? What's he asking you to do? Where is he sending you? And are you leaving at once? i got to go do what God's calling me to do. So when you think about what happens. The church in Philippi has started. The church in Thessalonica has started. They go south from there. The church in Athens has started. They go from there to Corinth. That church has started. Back to Ephesus. That church has started. All major cities where the gospel spreads from there. Because they were obedient. So I I know we talk a lot in these terms like these places need us. This community needs us. This community needs us. I don't know if they need us as bad as we need them. 
Because if we don't go, and if we don't step out in faith, and if we don't dare ourselves to trust God and believe that there's enough resources and we can share and we can give people and money and everything else, then maybe we would die. We would live our lives and die and never experience what it is that God can do. I want to see the power of God move. I want to see God do incredible things. And I know it's in His heart to do those things. And so, we're asking everybody to pray. And thanks for praying on Wednesdays. And many of you are talking about praying and fasting with us on Wednesdays. And some of you are giving. I want to give to this particular church, plant. Thanks for giving. And God's going to call some of you to go. And we're going to bless you as you go. So we talk a lot about praying. And we've been praying, but we haven't gotten to pray together. And so we're at this point a little bit early today because we wanted to pray together. So Pastor Mikkel is going to come at this time. And she is going to lead us in a prayer time together. Okay? It will be very clear when it's time to be dismissed. That won't be confusion to you. But let's take these few minutes before we go to pray together. Some of you know that um, I've had my own recent experience of feeling called and being sent. And I think there comes a time when we uh, not only are praying for the others, um, in my own experience, not only praying for Chris and Holly and Thaddeus, but also stopping and saying, okay, wait, God, what are you, what are you saying to me? And I think that this morning we need to have an opportunity to ask God some very direct questions so that we can hear some very direct answers. He has the ability and the desire to give us clear direction. So for the next few moments, I invite you to to pray with these three questions in mind. God, what are you saying to me? Where, what, what are you calling me to do and where might you be sending me to go? You can kneel here at the altars. You can sit in your seats. You can kneel where you are. You have freedom right now just to talk with the Lord and to listen to what he wants to say to you. So let's, let's join together in prayer.
that you speak, that you send. We are so grateful that you choose us. It's an overwhelming privilege. That you would invite us to be a part of this work of saving and redeeming and reclaiming this place that we call home. We are grateful. And we ask together as a people that you, Holy Spirit, give us the grace to be courageous. Give us the freedom to respond in love to your invitation. And now, church, we have an opportunity to pray for that work that God wants to do in our midst. There's a couple different ways we invite you to pray in these next moments. Some of you may be praying for a loved one, a friend, a neighbor who needs to know Jesus. And Pastor Rick has made a commitment to pray every day with you for that person through the end of the month. So there's a card on the bottom of your worship folder, the notes section. If you just want to fill that out, if you have someone that you're praying for, there's a basket like this right here at the altar, and there's also one back by the sound booth. Leave it here, and uh, Pastor Rick will be committed to praying with you for that person every day through the rest of the month. There's also some prayer requests that we would ask you to pray with us about. And there's prayer requests, specific needs for the Midtown Church and the Two Lakes Church that are in these baskets there, back by the sound booth underneath the windows over here, underneath the screens, and also here at the altar. So take one or a handful and pray specifically for what God is doing in these areas. You can kneel at these altars. You can um, kneel at your seats. You can stand to pray. You might even want to gather together with folks who are seated with you or maybe even seated across the room, people that you want to pray for or pray with in these next few moments, and you're free to do that. We have, we have some time. So let's make the most of this opportunity and come before the Father and seek his heart. Let's pray together.
So, Father, we, we seek to be led by your Spirit. But we confess it's not as much out of humility as it is out of inadequacy. We don't know some days the next steps. We're in uncharted waters. But we desire to be led by you and to be obedient to you. And so we pray, Lord, for these two communities and for other communities that you will lead us to in the future. Give us wisdom. Give us, the Lord, a broken heart. And I pray that you'll bless our meeting today at Two Lakes and that you will give us people. And I pray that, pray that you will bless our meeting tonight here in the chapel in the round in regard to Midtown. Give us people, Lord, I pray. Bless Thaddeus. Anoint him. Bless Chris. Anoint him. Use him. Bless Mikhail. Anoint her. Use her. We pray these things in Jesus' name. So this is what we have planned, but don't, don't feel like you have to be in a hurry. We'll, we'll continue to worship, and you can leave quietly as you need to leave. Make sure you let me join you in prayer. I, I just commit to pray with you every morning for this friend, this family member, this neighbor of yours. And if you drop their name in the basket, we'll pray together every day, okay? And, um, and take these prayer requests that you were given today when you came up and got them. If not, get one. And just take it with you. Not only are we praying this morning, but pray throughout these next few weeks for these prayer requests. Specifically for what you find on your paper. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.